Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Oh, there's a gift. There's a double gift for me, which is very apt. Uh, I've just come out, and there's a crown here. I wish people would uh, stop doing this. Uh, there's people. There's a thing going around. Someone shouting out, "Oh, King of Edinburgh at me in the street." I said, "Please don't do this." Is this rumour that's going around? That this is the new thing I'm called. Oh, look, my crown has fallen. It's like Macbeth, uh, and a Jimmy hat as well, which is good. I'm doing. We'll talk about that. That's very apt. Thank you, whoever left me those. You've confused most of the audience who clearly haven't heard any of the other podcasts, but <laughs> the people at home are enjoying it. Uh, welcome. This is Rich Terry's Edinburgh Fringe Podcast, uh, Episode Six. Um, please let it be 23. Please, is it 23? Yeah, number six. Uh, a different show every day, different guest every day, uh, looking at uh, what's going on in Edinburgh and the news. Uh, it's been quite a lot of. I, you know, when this started, this run. I kind of thought we'd have the biggest news on the foot. I thought when Sooty threw a pizza into the face of Paul Daniels, I thought, well, we're not going to top that for news. We'll be talking about that all month. But that seems a long time ago now, doesn't it? The, the battle of the wizards there. That has gone. And now things, maybe that's what's what started it. Maybe it was Sooty's aggression has sent. It was the foam pie into Murdoch's face. And then, and then in London, there's fires on the streets of London. It's kind of incredible. I noticed, uh, I thought you'd be upset up here in Scotland because I noticed yesterday there was a Greg's on fire. I thought, fuck. <laughs> They'll be rushing down there, A, get some hot food, B, say, what do you think you're, fuck you're doing? It's, uh, I like coming to Scotland because I do get a bit giddy if I'm ever more than 30 metres away from a Greg's. So uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> Glasgow is my favourite place in the world as a result. Uh, but uh, I'm surprised you uh, have allowed that to pass. Uh, but uh, it was kind of interesting coming out of my show. I was sort of watching all of that uh, mayhem on the news. Obviously, it's my home. It's kind of un un unsettling. I'm hoping my house isn't going to be burnt down. Shepherd's Bush, you'd think they would go for it. But everything in Shepherd's Bush is already broken. So it's hard. <laughs> it's harder to snap. There's only so many times you can snap something in half, isn't there? And most things in Shepherd's Bush have been done already. But uh, I was a bit worried. But uh, I came out my show and I had a good show last night after the kind of uh, travesty that was Sunday night and sort of tweet going oh thank god you know this night's audience are good and last night's were idiots and then everyone in London was going yeah I think you might want to check the news and uh, <laughs> hey hey man there's some shit going on down here because you know I'm sure if there were riots in Edinburgh everyone in London would stop wouldn't they and just they become very somber and wouldn't comment on anything else so it's quite I thought it was quite funny to see kind of you know my time stream on Twitter was just some people going, my street is on fire. And other people going, two-star review in Metro, bit annoyed. Uh, so it's... Uh, <laughs> but it really two groups of very self-obsessed people, mostly from London. Uh, <laughs> just some of them decamped away. So that was uh, quite interesting. But uh, so, well, hopefully... I mean, there are some young people here. There's a very young man here in the front. Luckily, I think he's with his dad or older boyfriend, whichever. <laughs> could, be either, could be either of the two. Good luck to you either way. Get pocket money either way, don't you? That's the thing, eh? Um, <laughs> you, you keep a tight leash on him, whichever it is, because I don't want him kicking off if he thinks he can get... I haven't got any TVs back here, so don't... I don't have trainers. I've got... These are Jeffrey West shoes. You wouldn't be interested in those. They're worth, they're worth a lot more money than your stupid fucking JD Sport trainers. But uh, <laughs> don't, let that, don't let that stop you. Uh, but you're, you're very welcome, the young. Let's be nice to the young because they've become upset and, dis and like free stuff. We, they like smashing things and free stuff and they're, and they're disgruntled. It's one of those three things. Um, so yeah, I think we should be nice to them. And uh, good to see... Um, uh, David Cameron came back from his holiday for finally. <laughs> 
fucking twat. Uh, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I know, I know I'm not going to come back. No posh people are getting hurt. Oh, they are now. Uh, and someone did, uh, someone did point out the irony that when he was in the Bullingdon Club, they did smash restaurants to pieces and, and set toilets on fire. So maybe that's why he just thought it was a good laugh. Oh, it's just fun. It's just high spirits. Don't worry about it. We're all, <laughs> we're all good. Um, and Boris is coming back as well, so that's good. But... Um, uh, yeah, so but apart from that, there's not that much uh, going on in the news, is there? It's mainly that. I, I, in Edinburgh news, um, I, uh, I noticed the other day that in the, I'm, I'm on at uh, the Cow Barn in, in Bristow Square doing my other show, What Is Love Anyway, 8.50. Uh, and, uh, uh, and someone had tried to rip down one of my posters in, uh, in Bristow Square, which is kind of, to begin with, you think, oh, no, that's all. Like, all the top was ripped off. And you think, oh, that's all. Someone hates me so much. They're trying to rip down my posters. That's how much they hate the show. But then I thought maybe it's someone who so loved the f- show they were trying to get their own poster, copy of the poster that they were trying to take it home to keep it to cherish the memory. So it's how you how you look at it, isn't it? Obviously, if that's the case, that person is quite stupid because it was literally stuck onto the wall. It was mainly made of glue. That poster was never going to come off. But it's interesting. You see, just the way you look at things, it's a different way of looking at things. It's all about perspective. Um, so uh, I think uh, we might. We've got a very good talker on today. And uh, if she's anywhere near as good as she was in the dressing room, I'm not going to have to do very much today, which is lucky. Uh, so I think we might get her on nice and early uh, in five minutes. And uh, it's one of your own. She's from Scotchland. Uh, and uh, she's, uh, that's why loads of people are here. And that's why those jokes aren't working, because there's, there's a lot of Scottish people here. I'm not going to even... Uh, come, people have come from Glasgow to see her. They're going, what is he doing? Is he taking the piss out of us? Uh, I am. Is he taking the piss with this? I can't believe this. I, I was going to buy one of these myself today, because I am doing a Radio 4 show about this very item. And I'm going to talk to Susan about that later. So whoever, who gave me this? Who was it? Come on now. No. Oh, over there. Yeah, all right. Thank you very much. You've got a, a ticket at the end. You're definitely going to win a prize. But will you please welcome, she's a, a fantastic comedian. Uh, will you please welcome the amazing, from Glasgow, Susan Cowman. Here she is. Thank you, everyone. Hope she can get up on that stool. That's my only, my only fear. The stools are very high. She's up. She's up on the stool. Your Wikipedia page has a quote saying that something... I noticed, I just looked you up quickly on Wikipedia. On Wikipedia, it talks about you despite looking like a hobbit. Yes. Uh, and on a quote, on that, it's very rude. I don't know who wrote that very Wikipedia rude. page, to be honest. I didn't even know it existed until <laughs> my better half went, oh, do you know, it's public that you look like a hobbit, which I do. <laughs> I don't think that's No, I've got fair. really hairy toes. That's something no one needs to know about. That's a wee secret. No one else will know about it. I've got really hairy toes. And... Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, I quite want to see them now. Do you? Yeah. I'll show you them <laughs> later on. Sometimes I wear sandals and just let it all sprout out. Uh, those look like very new trainers, Susan. Where did you get those? Uh, they look. Fr- <laughs> that sleeper train back up from London was a breeze last night. I really wanted to smash the window of Harvey Nichols last night, but I was on my own, and I thought, I thought it might be quite a good publicity for the show and quite a nice artistic statement about the futility of writing. But then I also thought I'd probably go to prison. So. Uh, Free accommodation. Uh, <laughs> that, They'd like you. you in a Scottish prison. <laughs> Would they like me? Yeah. <laughs> Especially with those shoes. Yeah, these lovely shoes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they might not let me take them in. So uh, you're not doing a show in Edinburgh. Why not? I'm not doing a show in Edinburgh this year. I've taken a year off because, a uh, number of reasons, but mostly because 
I think sometimes people come up to the Edinburgh Festival and they feel they have to do a show, and essentially it's quite a rubbish show because they don't actually have anything to say for themselves. And I thought, I won't do a show this year, and I'll come back in, in 2012 with a show that's actually funny and has something to say. And the festival, I've done it for about four years now, and it's essentially the most miserable month of my entire <laughs> life. Um, I thought, why not, do a, why not have a month of August where I'm not crying? Yeah, we've... <laughs> You've still come back up here, though, haven't you? You can't keep away. You're still here. You can't, you can't yeah. keep away from it. You can't keep away from it, the whole kind of insidious hatred that uh, everyone has for each other. <laughs> Apart from us. I love you. I think you're sexy. But really? uh, I can turn anyone, I tell you. That's <laughs> the thing I mean. If my mother's listening, yes, your dreams have come true, finally, mother. <laughs> Mums love me. They do. They love me. <laughs> That's good. So uh, what do you make of all the... I mean, it was interesting. We were doing Political Animal last night and obviously all this story was breaking as we were kind of... It was kind of really exciting to be able to talk about something that was literally just happening as a comedian, which is a rare rarity. Do, did you enjoy last night? Oh, I thought it was... Uh, Political Animal was fantastic because it was... Uh, literally, the stories were breaking. It started in the afternoon and um, to be on stage with... I mean, it was yourself and Michael Legg and Nick Doody and Andy Zaltzman mm. to have those kind of people talking about a situation... As it's happening, too. I mean, there was that one. Did you meet the drunk man? No. Oh, God. <laughs> There's always one. You, you do a show and you think, this is the best audience ever. This is going to be a fantastic show. And then just where, where that gentleman is in the check shirt, yeah. he, he gave a heckle about BBC Four documentaries in the middle of someone's set. He just went, I like BBC Four. <laughs> <laughs> and then I can't remember whether it was Nick said, What did you say? And he went, I've forgotten. And it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> what have you done? So, I mean, I think one of the things that the festival is missing, actually, these days is because a lot of people's shows, you preview, people preview them for a year now, a whole year. They start, as soon as this finishes, they start previewing shows. It's 55 minutes. It's slick. It's, you know, it's got your gags. But what it doesn't do is necessarily react to what's happening in the rest of the world. And I, it's quite odd in the festival, you'll go and see someone's show and it's like the rest of the world doesn't exist and that's absolutely fine, but I think what comedy's brilliant at is reacting to what's happening in the rest of the world. Um, and London, which is, of course, the most important place absolutely. in the world. It's where all my stuff is. I'm a bit worried. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> unguarded in Shepherd's Bush. But it's, it, I mean, it was, it was fantastic and I think it's something that Political Animal's a brilliant show for that and I think we actually need more stuff like that to allow comedians to be a bit freer because there's a huge pressure to do your show and get reviews in and all of that kind of nonsense. The extra shows where you can just be a little bit freer with what you actually think. I love hearing what comedians generally, genuinely think as opposed to, here's a slick gag that will go in the Metro and <laughs> win me five pounds or something. You know, I, I, I like hearing what comedians genuinely think about things. Yeah, yeah. Something about that slightly sweaty after midnight kind of... <laughs> Michael Legg was really sexy last night. Was he? Hard to believe. He just shouted. <laughs> <laughs> he was just shouting. Mind mean, you, I mean, he was, he was amongst Andy Zolzman, <laughs> Nick Doody and myself. So maybe, yes, maybe he did look sexy last night. It's who you hang around with. That's what that fella's realised. That's what you've realised. Yeah. <laughs> fucking sh on your own, nothing. But next to this guy, fucking hell. You look like Brad Pitt. <laughs> That's the jobs that I always get put up for now. I don't know if everyone here is aware of the phenomenon of the brunette best friend in comedy. Does everyone know about that? That there's always an attractive woman in comedy, then there's the fat best friend who lives next door to make the other one look better. That I, I specialise in uh, being the comedy... 
cake. I love cake. And then, uh, and then I bugger off. Do you get free cake though when you do those parts? No, they take it away from you. Do they? Me. Oh, that's no good. It's not even real cake. <laughs> it's good to be. Able. So, what was your take on the what's going on in London? You, did you, what did you talk about last? Uh, last night. Like well, last night uh, I actually talked about. Uh, I did my political history last night because because I do the news quiz and stuff, which I absolutely adore. People keep asking me about my own politics, and it's quite a strange thing that when you're asked about things, you don't necessarily know why you think of things. So, for example, I was born in 1974, Thatcher came in in 79. I know I hate Thatcher, but I'm not sure quite why I hate Thatcher, because I don't remember any of it. I was young, I was like six or seven. So, when you look back, um, it was interesting, you know, 81, the Brixton riots, about a year and a half after the Tories came into yeah. power. That'll never happen again, eh? <laughs> Satire. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, and I talked a lot about Section 28, which was very, very important in my political kind of um, development yeah. here and Clause 20, as it was in Scotland, because I don't know if people still realise that came into force in 1988 and was only repealed in 2000 for, for 12 years, that piece of legislation, which meant uh, that you couldn't, of course, promote homosexuality, which is what I'm here to do tonight. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> Anyone want to join the lesbians? Come on in. Um, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big supporter of the lesbian. <laughs> I am a massive. I am so. So I just think it's, it's, <laughs> it's just slightly odd because I get, the, I get the disenfranchised thing and I get all of that kind of stuff. But fundamentally, I disagree with setting fire to someone's house. Yeah. I think that's, <laughs> you know, I think we can all support. You know, I pr a protest. I think is absolutely, it's absolutely what we need to have. But at the same time, I'm not sure how. Uh, smashing JJB Sports, you know, window in yeah. and stealing everything <laughs> is giving a middle finger up to David Cameron. I'm just, I'm just not sure about uh, why that's happening. If only gay people had done that when Clause 29 came out, we wouldn't have got that the JJB Sports. Been, been I'll tell He'd have come back from holiday, or Mrs. Thatcher would have come back from holiday. Look, I'm really sorry. I didn't realise you were so upset. <laughs> uh, <laughs> please give us our trainers back. Yeah. And that would have been it. But it's more it's the responsibility, you know, David Cameron. I was listening to um, Five Live today, which I really love. But they kept saying, David Cameron, who's come back from holiday. Thank you very much, David. I was like, no, he's just doing his fucking job, right? He's just <laughs> doing his He's coming back. There's a crisis. He's not. We shouldn't be grateful to the man for flying back from Tuscany. He should have come back in the first... We, we shouldn't be saying who's cut short his holiday, <laughs> just get back to the country and try and sort it out. Yeah, I think he's left it a little bit late. It's incredible how many of them were on holiday. I mean, I know it is, the Parliament's broke, but it Parliament's away for about th three months, isn't it? And so, they, they, but they're all having these massive long holidays. Basically, there was nobody there. There was, there was I don't know who was left holding the keys. I don't know if Nick Clegg's allowed to well, go on Nick holiday. Well, Nick Clegg was sent not. in. I just yeah. loved it. Nick Clegg, the human shield. He was the <laughs> only one. He was sent to Tottenham. I saw the news and it was just him and one other guy in the middle of Tottenham. And I was like, David Cameron's just going, <laughs> you wanted the seat in the front bench, there you go, Nick, sort it out. And he was the only one there. It was just Nick Clegg looking really, like someone had slapped him and he was just pushed forward. And he was like, um, can I do anything? Um, is everyone okay? And he was the only one there. So you started out uh, in corporate law, which is quite, and you, are, you could have made huge amounts of money in corporate law. What, why did you change? What, 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 why, why did you go into corporate law and why did you come get out of corporate law? Well, in 1992, when I left school, you weren't allowed to be a disaffected youth smashing windows. You had <laughs> to get a sodding job, right? <laughs> so uh, when I was 17, uh, at that point, you couldn't say, I want to be a comedian. You know now these young yeah. boys I do, go... I've seen them. 
I want to be a comedian and I'm going to get a mock the week and it's going to be magic. And people go, that sounds brilliant. In 1992, that was a, a pile of utter rubbish. So I got some quite good grades and it was law or medicine. And I don't like blood, so it was law. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I mean, there's no, no one, I don't think anyone genuinely goes, I really want to be a solicitor. You know, it's unless they've seen Ali McBeal and they're drunk. <laughs> um, so I thought, I'll go, I'll go and get a degree. Uh, all, all I've ever wanted to be is comedian. But I didn't know how you went about it. That's, you know, if you say you want to be a comedian, how the hell do you do it? And I think the stand wasn't even open in 1992. Really? I'm not Probably sure. I think there was only Blackfriars. Mm. There was Blackfriars and there was a couple of other places doing a bit of comedy in Glasgow. So it wasn't something that you could actually do. So I went and did that. Five years at university. Two years traineeships. Seven years. Seven years as a corporate lawyer. Until I just snapped. <laughs> I just snapped and said... Uh, I'm miserable. I was miserable. I earned a lot of money, but I was absolutely miserable. And I thought, I can't carry on like this. My 30th birthday had passed, and I thought, if I keep going like this, I'm going to end up like the other lawyers I know, yeah. drinking and taking <laughs> loads of drugs and just being utterly miserable, but with a nice car. Yeah. No, I don't like driving, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I did an open spot at the Stand Comedy Club. Uh, I didn't do any courses or anything. I just did five minutes and uh, loved it. And then gave up my job six months later, <laughs> which was so stupid. It's I've still got my earnings for the first year, yeah. and I earned two hundred and fifty pounds. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I declared, and uh, <laughs> I am a lawyer. Um, uh, and uh, so I mean, I was just I was I, I was just miserable. I was yeah. miserable uh, being a, a a lawyer. But I think it. I think coming to comedy later in life was good. Yeah, because I mean, I've, I've lived a bit of a life and I've done things. No, I think that's definitely true. I did the contract for the trams. So... Did you? No. <laughs> Only joking. <laughs> and I first, met, I first met you when you were uh, doing... We, there was some uh, pilot for a public speaking show. That I don't oh. know if it ever... Did it ever happen God. No, it you never were, happened. The, there was lots of kind of crazy people and you were amongst them. <laughs> yes. It's one of those things you end up doing as a comedian. They go, eh, "Do you want to come to a warehouse in Battersea and do this? It's going to be amazing." And you turn up and go, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, it was like Pop Idol, but for public speaking. Yeah, which I guess they've now done with comedy recently. But they, I don't know if it ever, <laughs> I don't know if it ever came off. No. I was, I, don't, I was one of the judges of it. Yeah, it was good. I was I knocked out in the first round. I recall, Richard. Did I knock you out? Yep. Wow. So <laughs> I remember you being quite good. <laughs> You must have been up with some, against someone good. <laughs> Never forget. I thought, who's that weird little hobbit? She can't go on TV. It'll <laughs> scare the children. <laughs> Great uh, disaffection. So I'm doing this show, funny enough, that someone has provided this uh, hat for. About, uh, and I'm, I'm right behind on the script, so I thought I'd talk about it and hope I'd get some material out of this. Uh, I'm doing a... I, in my, in, I did a show a few years ago called Hitler Moustache, in which I tried to reclaim the Hitler Moustache. So I'm trying to take objects of derision uh, and trying to reclaim them. And this is what I've, I'm doing one in Edinburgh, so I've chosen this, which is your national dress here. <laughs> here in Scotland, which if people at home, it's a tamash, it's a, a bunnet, a tamashanti. Shall I model uh, it the way it's so yeah, you so see the full effect of Scottish a, person wearing it? This is what Scottish people look like. There we go. <laughs> it suits you. It suits you. I think you and me should do an act. We should do the... The Sassanac and the Scotch person. <laughs> Five stars. We'll, we'll do it together. Uh, so what do you... Because I sort of think this is for sale everywhere. There's a shop called the Pride of Scotland and these are hanging up at the front of that shop. 
and you people, some of you people are Scottish, I think I'd be upset if that was... You don't go to Israel and find, like, big sort of broad-brimmed hats with little, you know, ringlets coming off that attach them there with I killed Jesus written on them, do you? So why is there... Why is there this... It's not even nicely made. Look at that. It's just that is the most... That's the, that's the thing you in Scotland are most proud of, all the things you've achieved in your... In your country, and that. so I thought, thought kind of, I find it kind of interesting. What do you what do you make of uh, of this item of uh, apparel? Let's call it. Um, well, um, I uh, I mean I don't find it, I don't find <laughs> suddenly I fancy some heroin. Can I look? I have put I have put the hat on. You don't just fancy some heroin halfway through a show. See, if I, see, if I was really going to do it properly, I realised this morning, when I did Hitler moustache, I walked around for a year with a, with a toothbrush, with my actual own toothbrush moustache. I think if I'm really, if I really planned this show properly, I should have walked toward the whole of Scotland wearing this hat, <laughs> walking down the street, waving at all the Scottish people and seeing how they reacted. I think... I might have gotten into more trouble than I did with the Hitler moustache. Yeah, if you went to Glasgow to George Square wearing that with that accent, have you ever seen <laughs> The Running Man? Um, <laughs> I think that would be. Um, do you know it's it's, confu- it's confusing? Okay, it's a bit of it's a bit of fun. Blah blah blah. Scotland, the Tartan Army wear it. Isn't that wonderful with their kilts and everything else like that? But I think there's a a fundamental problem that Scottish comedians uh, don't help, which is our our national identity. Which is yes, we we quite like a drink, but to be honest, I've gigged in. Many English cities, Newcastle, love you Newcastle, but the hyena, dear God in heaven, that's one of the most frightening things I've ever done. (laughs) I did a lesbian gig at the hyena, right? The hyena's just, it's it's really quite rough. And apparently the bouncer said this was the roughest gig they'd ever done with the (laughs) lesbians because they were proper, you know, chinos and and crew cuts, like proper ones, not the manga ones. (laughs) With the Justin Bieber hair. And uh, they were really rough. Lovely women, <laughs> if that's what they wear. Um, lovely women. And I was at the bar, and uh, they were drink, drink. I mean, I've never seen so much drink in my entire life. And I was at the bar, and this woman came up to me and said, uh, would you like a drink? And I said, no, thanks. And she said, is your girlfriend here? And I said, no. She said, would you like a drink? And I said, no, thanks. And she said, do you want to start a fight? And I said, no, thanks. And she went, do you want a drink? And I went, yes, I'd love a drink. <laughs> <laughs> So the thing is, we do like a drink, there's no question, but other places like a drink as well. But part of our whole national identity is how much we like a drink, how unhealthy we are, all of that kind of stuff. And sometimes, the thing that annoys me is that I think sometimes we play up to the slight stu- stupidity of our own nation. And we're not a stupid nation. We're a nation that's that's really created... We're a part of the Enlightenment and we invented television and whiskey and lager. No, and we invented <laughs> lots of... <laughs> so I think sometimes what worries me a little bit is about... It's an easy laugh... It really is. It's yeah. an easy laugh, which is fine. I'm a comic. I need to earn some money. That's fine. But sometimes I get frustrated by that, for example. So you come to Edinburgh, you stick, you're in Edinburgh. Christ, it's one of the most beautiful cities in the entire world. And that's what we sell yeah. to represent Edinburgh. Exactly. Well, it is, it is a weird thing. And Scottish people are you know, so touchy about, uh, for example, being called Scotch. They get very upset. If I, if I ever do that, even as a joke, even in massive quote marks on Twitter, there will guaranteed be 15 people going, no, no, you mustn't say that, you mustn't do this, right? And there are, there are English people who don't have a very good sense of humour about themselves. They're called Liverpudlians. But, uh, <laughs> but you would think... 
You would think that... Uh, Just one man <laughs> Yeah, I hate them as well. <laughs> it's all the places with the best sense of humour in the world. Who, the minute the joke's about them, I go, oh, no, that's not on. <laughs> best sense of humour in the world. But, you know, you would think that, that, that people would rise up against it. If any shop was going to be burnt down, you wouldn't think it was going to be a uh, carpet, right? You'd think it would be the pride of Scotland. I'm not trying to create a riot here. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's difficult times. But that's the shop. If I had to choose a shop that would go up in flames, and I'm English, I would, I would choose the pride of Scotland, partly because of the... The, the bagpipe music that's coming out of there as well. I mean, it's just like a travesty. You could make a statue of... <laughs> just like, it's the most Scottish thing in the way. It needs a sporran on the front and yeah. a deep-fried Mars bar stuck in the top of it. Yeah. It's just like someone's thought, what's the most offensive stereotype of Scotland we can do? Let's make a shop of it. It's just... It is, it's very strange because um, in, in my past life, I worked in uh, North Carolina uh, with serial killers on death row. <laughs> Here comes a joke. Not really. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did. In North Carolina, it, I, it was it's quite a strange kind of Bible bashing belt and all, and all of that kind of stuff. And when I went to see comedy there, the, the comedians didn't come on stage, as I said to you before, in a Ku Klux Klan outfit going, I'm not really racist. And I just don't understand why we as Scottish people sometimes come on and go, yes, I'm drunk, yes, I'll stab you, yes, I'll punch you in the face, because that's not what we're, what we're all about. You know, it's not, it's not uh, everything. And I, I think sometimes it's uh, our responsibility to... Change that. Now, I think someone like Kevin Bridges... <coughs> excuse me, I always do that when I say his name. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Bridges is a really intelligent guy and a brilliant stand-up, actually. Yeah. And I think if you listen to what he has to say, he's got a lot to say about things, is a really good example of someone who is... Yes, he's still kind of saying, I am Scottish, but actually he, he has a lot to say for himself and I think he's the kind of person which we should be, you know, moving towards. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's young and successful. Good luck to you. <laughs> they're all young and successful unfortunately. They're all, that's what happens we have to find our own way you're doing okay oh, you're, you are on Radio 4 all the time so you're the yeah I like that that's nice on there yeah. no it's great get to work with Sandy Talks yeah I discovered when you I don't know if it got on the radio I don't know if it got on the radio they can't see my wee foot going like that when I say Sandy <laughs> Talks like. you have a collection of Smurfs <laughs> <laughs> I know all about Susan I, I know all her secrets I used to collect Smurfs yeah I what? still do collect. Uh, what do you think? Why do you do that? <laughs> I mean, no. the, aren't they the most rubbish thing in the world? I mean, I have all the. Why? Why Smurfs? I had two hundred and fifteen. Do you uh, identify with their tiny, their tiny little stat hobbit-like stature? <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry, I've gone too, um, gone too far. Gone too far. She's got it. Uh, no, I just, I don't know why. I just, I think I'm slightly obsessive compulsive. So when I start yeah. collecting something, I had a thimble collection. I know. Get me on BBC Three. I had thimble, a thimble. Another very small thing. <laughs> <laughs> a thimble collection and then I moved on to Smurfs and I've also got some of my parents keep saying do you want to come and get them I've got 150 stuffed Garfields <laughs> <laughs> and they keep saying do you want to take them to, to your flat and I'm like no that's horrific what if a journalist accidentally popped out they're not gonna let's face it but let's say they did and I was trying to be all yeah I'm the voice of a new generation politically uh, for the Scottish people yeah I'm a really proud Scottish person ignore the Garfields um, <laughs> it's just not the image all, well you wouldn't necessarily have to arrange them all around the chair you were sitting in <laughs> yes I think you should every interview that should be a condition of doing no, an just interview just be lying no, all in the bed Garfields yeah just, just in bed surrounded by Garfields I never never mentioned and someone has to go in they go you mustn't mention the Garfield <laughs> don't don't ask about the Garfield she gets she really angry if you talk about the Garfield <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and then just lying there. You'd be stroking one. Just would be really... <laughs> Why can't I mention? Uh, are you looking forward to the new Smurf movie that's coming out with Katy Perry in it? Yes, I am. Yeah, good. You've got any merchandise from it yet? So... Because <laughs> I get really obsessed with things. I adore uh, Prime Suspect. Do you know this TV mm-hmm. series, Prime Suspect? Yeah. And I, I used to know every episode off by heart. Have you got 150 Helen Mirren company toys put together? Is what that, I that did, and this is genuinely <laughs> true, uh, when I was going to do a festival show, I, I love I love Helen Mirren as DCI Jane Tennyson. She's my role model, right? And uh, in Prime Suspect 4, there's an episode with a character called Susan. <laughs> and I spent two weeks ripping different parts of the co- the script the, the program to make a conversation between myself and DCI Jane Tennyson, <laughs> and it ended with her going, "I love you, Susan," <laughs> and I still play it sometimes when I'm feeling a bit down, because um, essentially, yeah. If you send it into me, I can tack it on to the end of the podcast. If you like, <laughs> we can people at home can listen to, yeah. to the other side. Do you have to join in live? You said she say something, and then I've you, recorded it. Yeah. So you got your so your part of the conversation's recorded. Yeah, yeah. Because I what I would do if I was going to do that, I don't think I would do that. Uh, is uh, I would leave just a gap for me to say the thing that I was meant to say, so it would feel like she was really there. Maybe make a well. When, if I do it live, then I'll do it like that, as if it's like a phone conversation yeah. type thing. But because I play it quite late at night, like last night after Political Animal, I had a couple of drinks. It's been a bit lonely. <laughs> 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 it was going so well. So you looked like the real kind of incisive political comedian. Then I came and came in with the Smurfs, I know. and the world opened up, and a world of sad loneliness. A lady and pain. can like Smurfs and yeah. still know her politics. Okay? <laughs> That's terrific. So um, every day. I'm doing a, an Edinburgh memory uh, from the ma- my many years in Edinburgh. This is my 20th fringe. So I'll ask for you one in a second, for you to give one in a second, Susan. I'm going to try, um, try and remember something from 1991, I think I'm up to, which I think, and let me think, I'll just say 1978, 89, 1991, 92. Right, it's 92. Was, uh, I did the dumb show. I came back to Edinburgh in triumph after three years with not coming to Edinburgh. I was in the dumb show, which should have been the most amazing. Um, show really it was a sketch show we were trying to do a sketch show when it was very unfashionable stand up was like going and in the stand in the show was uh, Steve Coogan and Patrick Marber the future screenwriter and Dick uh, he wasn't a future Dick he was a Dick at the time <laughs> <laughs> if anything he's probably got less of a Dick as he's got older uh, Stuart Lee the, the just the Dick as well <laughs> <laughs> and Simon Munnery, who is, uh, remains uh, the, the king and genius, the prince of Edinburgh, let's face it, not the king. I nearly called him the king of Edinburgh. That would be ridiculous. That would become confusing. Uh, and me, the, and me, the king of Edinburgh. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was kind of weird because it was this missed opportunity, I think, really. But it was that uh, we, we, we kind of, that's such an amazing cast of people. We'd all been working on On the Hour together, apart from Simon, who we kind of drafted in. But, it, but Patrick was very ambitious and... Uh, and had realised, and he wanted to do all the parts. Uh, and uh, and Steve was uh, kind of Steve won the Perrier Award that year with his other show. Um, and the main thing I remember about him, he was driving around, and he was really rich. We were all poor because we were scriptwriters, but he was doing lots of advert voiceovers because he could do impressions of Frank Spencer. Uh, and um, <laughs> and uh, he had a sports car, uh, and uh, the th- um, he would drive us around, and it was quite amazing. And then he said to us, "It pays for itself in pussy." That is the. Uh, <laughs> That is my main memory of uh, quite a sad Edinburgh. There was also one time where, let's say Steve Coogan had drunk too many drinks in his nose. And... uh, (laughs) Let's say that. And... uh, He... uh, (laughs) 
he, um, he, he wasn't going to come in and do the show because he was too upset. He had to go to hospital. And uh, John Thode, who's <laughs> from Avalon, who's the most evil man in the world, uh, told Steve Coogan <laughs> that if he didn't come and do the show that day, and it was like a Monday and we'd sold about four tickets, if he didn't come and do the show, he would tell the tabloids what had happened. So Steve Coogan came in. He's quite paranoid that day for some reason. I was... Uh, <laughs> So that was um, 1992. Do you have any? Uh, do you have any? Uh, I've said nothing wrong. <laughs> I can tell you now if it's true. Veritas is the uh, defence to uh, defamation action, which will take place in Scotland. That's where we are. Right. Um, one of my it's good to have a lawyer here. <laughs> that's why I booked. I thought let's tell that story. Let's get Susan yeah. down. She can tell me if I can put that out. Yeah, absolutely jump. fine. Go yeah. for it. Um, <laughs> uh, what year did you do Hitler moustache? I did Hitler moustache in nine two thousand. Not nineteen two thousand. It was three years ago. Was it two thousand? No, two years ago. Two thousand and nine. Two thousand nine. Yeah. Favorite one. Of, well, one of my favorite uh, memories was about you, actually, oh. uh, Richard. Two thousand nine. Hitler moustache. Uh, as you all know, the the poster of you with a. Hitler moustache. Yeah. And I was up at the uh, Bristol Square and the poster created quite a stir and you could see people looking at it and all that kind of stuff. And I walked past one evening and there was a family getting their photograph taken beside the poster. <laughs> it was a German family. <laughs> and I was there with my girlfriend and we both saw it happening and we thought, we thought no, that, that's, that's not. And they did the whole fam proud family pose next to it. They were like that, right, thumbs up. And it was this German family, two thumbs up next to you, dressed as Hitler. And I thought, good. Well done. That's weird. Uh, and there was a huge... It's funny, because everyone in was just looking at these Germans doing that. And I just think, that to me epitomises the, the fringe that you've got a show called Hitler Moustache and the Germans go, yeah, for sure, it's great. So, yeah. I wonder what they did with that. <laughs> Who knows? It's really interesting. So uh, do you have, do you, what uh, reactions have you had over the years? Have you had any terrible reviews that from, from yes. people over from the journalists over the years? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember uh, them yeah. all off by heart? Um, I don't tend to read reviews. I don't read reviews, but then people tell you about the reviews. That's the thing. If you say, I don't want to know about any of my reviews, someone will come up and go, two stars, eh? And you go, I oh, just fuck off, seriously. <laughs> and uh, it can be really, uh, yeah, and you get criticised for things and uh, things which are, I got, <laughs> I got a really bad two-star review one year. And I know you're not meant to do this, right? I know that but I don't care, right? So I got a terrible two-star review, which was just terrific. Now, fortunately, my girlfriend had been sitting beside the reviewer, right? Because I just put her in the audience, right, to see what's happening. And uh, the, the person involved had put their pen down after five minutes and closed their eyes. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I found out the name of the reviewer, contacted the magazine, and demanded that they delete the review and apologise to me right. for sending, essentially, a total... Egypt <laughs> to review my show. And I think because of my tone of email <laughs> and the videotape I sent in association with it, uh, they did it. They did it because right. um, I don't I don't mind reviewers and stuff, and some reviews are very, very um uh, positive in terms of you can take something out of it. But I got one the other from one of those online kind of uh, publications. And the sentence just stopped. It wasn't even sodding English. There was no punctuation. <laughs> it was four stars. But you think, I can't do anything with that four stars. There's no review. It just goes, Susan Cowman. Four stars. <laughs> of course, you put the four stars on the poster. But uh, yeah, that's one thing I don't necessarily like. If people come and see the show, 
Yeah. They buy tickets. They enjoy it. That's genuinely all that I'm looking for. If I can make people kind of a bit happier when they leave, doesn't always happen. <laughs> I did a show. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. This, this this takes some fucking beating, right? Did a show at the Other Belly in London at the South Bank, yeah. right? Quite busy, like 200 odd people because I'm on the news coast and stuff, so I'm bright. And uh, it was quite full. I walked out and went, "Hi everyone, my name's Susan Calman." A guy in the front row put on his jacket and went, I don't think so, and left, right? Now, <laughs> before I'd start, he'd bought a ticket, sat in the front row, waited till I came out and said my name, and then went, I don't think so, and left. Now, imagine the awkwardness of then carrying on with a show while everyone else has seen a guy going, no thanks, and leaving. It's just wrong. Do you think he thought you were someone else? Rona Cameron. Happens Rona all Cameron, the time. It? Happens all I the time. I did a show in Glasgow. There was a group of lesbos. I spotted them like a mile away, <laughs> sensible shoes. And they were at the they were all really excited and whispering. I thought, yes, ladies, I'm here. And I was standing and one of them came over and went, Oh, we're really looking forward to seeing you. Really looking forward to seeing you. We sign your we sign this picture. It was bloody Rona Cameron. <laughs> Signed you, it. You signed it. Yeah, good. That's what, that, yep. the same Michael Legg. That same very similar thing happened to him last year because there's an actor called Michael Legg in Ireland as well, and someone came to his show and th- with all these pictures of the other Michael Legg, and asked him to sign them, and he signed them, and they just kind of think, can't you see that the picture was not <laughs> was not the what do you think was ha- what do you think had happened? A sort of a makeup thing going on. I'm asking all of my guests this, and you are the first female. Uh, so this is may seem an inappropriate question. Oh, good. Right. Uh, what would it take for you to fillet the actor Keith Haven? <laughs> uh, a shot of his daughter. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, good. That's the best answer so far. <laughs> Who has three nipples? Like Scaramanga. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I believe so. I think I'm right about that. Have you ever seen someone's third nipple? That should be a question in the true or false section. Come I, d- I don't know if I have. I've only seen. I've Scarlet. seen a third nipple. Have you? How was it? Um, it looked just. To be honest, I was expecting more. Yeah. Um, just a nubbin, was it? Just well, you know, nubbin. when someone says, "I've got a third nipple," you go, mm. and then <laughs> when I saw it, it was just like a wee mole or something. And I said, "Are you sure that's a nipple?" And she went, "Yeah." And I went, "I think that's just a mole." And you're just saying it's a third nipple so that you show people your tits. Yeah. It's good. It's me. Uh, no. It, uh, <laughs> so it was disappointing. I wouldn't recommend it. You don't it. need to make up any excuse to show me your tits, ladies. That is, you don't have to think, how can I get Richard Herring to look at my tits? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I've come up with a plan. This will intrigue him. Just the tits are fine. <laughs> Seriously. Don't need any. If you've got a third one, I'll have a look at it. But I'm very happy to look in any case. Good. Well, look, I think we might uh, get uh, our, our actor, our stand uh, up on for We've got a five minute little section. Uh, so, uh, with someone, a newer act in Edinburgh who uh, is extremely good. I saw him, I think, two years ago uh, when I was judging uh, So You Think You're Funny or one of those type of things. And he is absolutely brilliant. He's a young, again, one of these annoyingly young people. It's better he's doing comedy than burning shops down. But uh, he's really good. You're going to really enjoy him. He's going to do a quick five-minute set for you. Please please welcome Nas Osmanoglu. Hello, Edinburgh. How are we doing? We well, we well. Hello, my name is... Na- oh, fantastic. My name is Nas Osmanoglu. I'm half English, half Turkish. Any Turks in? 
Didn't think so. <laughs> um, yes, uh, my full name is in fact Nazem Ziadin Nazem Osmanalo, and yes, my first name does feature twice in that atrocity. Uh, good afternoon, Edinburgh. Uh, yes, uh, as a lot of you already aware that I am I'm quite a posh man. I'm a poshman, uh, if you're going to get technical, uh, ladies and gentlemen. But I do have that Turkish fire that burns deep within. As a result, I will open the door for a lady, but also spear an infidel if provoked. Yes, it's that combination of very good manners and excessive bloodlust, madam. I'm very good at dinner parties, but really excel in a war. Will you pass the brie? Impale the brie. That's how I like to rock and roll. Um, ladies and gentlemen, today I want to talk about masculinity and manliness. I, I've seen the alpha male in the room. Uh, that's a fa fantastic alpha male credibility. Sir. What's your name, sir? I, 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 well, sorry, mate, not you. It's the massive guy behind you. <laughs> how could you possibly think you were the alpha male? When the the strong his arms are bigger than my head. I mean, I, I mean, so you're a good-looking chap, and you, you ought to be fair. You are surrounded by women, but this guy could eat you. Uh, so, what is your name? You're a fantastic shaver man. What's your name, sir? Al. Al. One syllable. It bodes well. Uh, yeah, a round of applause for this man. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Al. I, I wanted to talk about masculinity and manliness, and I thought, where better to begin than the scout leader, Bear Grylls? Uh, do we know who Bear Grylls is, Edinburgh? I I'm guessing he's your dad. <laughs> uh, if you don't know who Bear Grylls is, he's a TV survival expert, and he's fucking mental. His name is Bear Grylls. Ladies and gentlemen, Bear, a ferocious animal. Grylls, one of the more masculine verbs for cooking. <laughs> don't fuck with Bear, Edinburgh. You watch his program, you watch his program he's like hello I'm Bear Grylls see this rock <laughs> that's a good rock Al that's a fucking good what do you mean I can't eat rocks I'm Bear Grylls I can eat anything Beetle's done I've had five already is that a gazelle I'll kill it with my balls He's so ridiculous. Watch his program, ladies and gentlemen. Bear Grylls is the kind of guy who says his own name as he leaves a room. Yeah thanks for the rocks guys I'll see you later. Bear Grylls. Oh, oh, when he hangs up on the phone. Okay, bye. I love you too. No, 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 no. You hang up first. Okay, no, I love you more. Okay, okay, bye. Bear Grylls. I like to think he's the kind of guy who says his own name as he uh, when he hangs up on the phone. When he when he leaves himself messages, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Bear. It's Bear. Bear Grylls. And he walks out the room. Bear Grylls eats his phone. He's a dickhead, ladies and gentlemen. I can imagine his pregnant mother going in for her ultrasound at 10 weeks and the doctor's there with the scanner. This can be the scanner. She's a big woman, obviously. And he's scanning away, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know how you scan. It's probably less sexually aggressive than this. Oh, congratulations, Mrs. Grills. It's a boy. He's a little larger than we anticipated. And, well, he appears to be camping. Oh! Oh, that's wonderful news. I wonder what I should call him. And at that moment, at that moment, ladies and gentlemen, Bear appears, clambering out of his mother's vagina. Call me Bear, mother, he demands as he exits her, fully grown six months early, fully intact with Swiss Army scrotum and compasses instead of nipples. North, true north, I Bear Grylls, he reminds her as he severs the umbilical cord with his teeth. Wait. I've left some camping equipment in there. I'm going back in. Be 
grills. Is that how it happened, Al? <laughs> I don't know, ladies and for me, the real hero of the programme isn't actually Bear, it's his cameraman. Because whilst Bear is swimming with crocs and eating rocks and all the rest of it, his cameraman is doing everything that Bear does whilst carrying a fucking camera. <laughs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Naz Osman and I'm doing a show at 9.15 at the Udderbelly Pasture. Thanks for listening to me uh, and good afternoon. Goodbye. Bye-bye-bye. Naz Osman, I've got it wrong. I've got it wrong twice. That's uh, <laughs> brilliant. Go and see him. Go and see him. I'm glad you named where the show was because I'd forgotten to ask him. Uh, have you seen any shows, uh, Susan? At the, at the Fringe as yet? Uh, I saw Mr. Fred McCauley's show, oh, yes, which was great. Um, and uh, I haven't been to see it yet, but I saw a wee bit of Bridget Christie's show at the stand launch, and I think she's amazing. She is amazing. Yes. I go and see her every year. She is, of course, uh, the wife, the second wife of uh, Stuart Lee. I'm, ca I'm counting myself as the first wife. <laughs> I think he's replaced like for like, though. I think she's quite. I think she's quite similar to me. Don't you think? That's she's quite good. She's not. I mean, Stu's very serious and grumpy uh, and uh, weird, and she seems very friendly and funny and quite silly. You know, and mm -hmm. does kind of silly characters. <laughs> and is obsessed with cocks. So that is. Uh, I'm guessing. Uh, has anyone in the audience seen any uh, fantastic shows? You've been to, been with your dad, dad slash lover. <laughs> it's good to unite back. How old are you, by the way? 15. 15 years old. We had a 16 year old girl with a mum in the other day, and Lou Sanders kind of basically talked about older boys' cocks to, to in front of her. Uh, have you ever seen any older boys' cocks? No, I, say, uh, <laughs> I won't do it. Uh, so, what did you see? I saw Rich Hall last night. Oh, Rich Hall. He's, I should get him on this show, shouldn't I? He was very good. Yeah, he's very good. Have you seen anything really shit yet? Have you seen any like students in the street? You're probably too young to kind of do. You, do you see the students in the street and think they're the same age as me, or do you think what a load of dicks? <laughs> which which is it? Because I think what a load of dicks now. But I I used to be I used to be one of them, but now I'm just angry. You can't relate yourself to them at all. Do you, are, are you interested in um, going into theatre the theatre at all? Is this what the, this is about? No. You want to be a marine? Fucking hell. <laughs> Gonna have to put some weight on, mate. I'm telling you, I'm gonna have to <laughs> have to build up a bit. Wow, really, a marine? Have you have you have you applied to be a marine? Do you have to do you have to work your way up to be a marine? Sorry, I'm gonna. Sorry, Susan, I've started interviewing a 15 year old That's boy fine. in the audience. It's no That's offense, no, no offense no, listen, to you. Listen, uh, you know it's, it's fine. He's gonna be a marine. <laughs> You're gonna stick at it. Don't be like her and change your job halfway through just because you can't stand it. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's very good. Uh, has anyone else? Has anyone seen anything really terrible? Don't name another comedian. No. Yeah. What have you seen? Um, how to be patient with arseholes. That that just come and say again. Who's whereabouts is that? Um, how to be patient with arseholes. Three sisters. Three sisters. Right, yeah. And what is it? Are they? Where, where are they from? Are they students or are they? Uh, one, one, one guy. With his mum in the with his mum and dad. You know, if you are his mum and dad, this is the worst thing you could possibly have done. <laughs> we fucking hate him. We go to all the shows. And if anyone asks them, we say, our son's show. And put out with an arse. Well, we'll look out for that. And see, I quite like, I'm quite intrigued by that. That now, see, when people say something's really bad, uh, last year there was a show uh, which about uh, Dark Side of the Pooh. Oh, poo. yes. 
that yeah. got like so many bad reviews and looked so like a car crash. I think it must have got more people in because you go, I've got to see that. I think if, oh if, you, if you do look at reviews, the shows I think you have to see, some shows get two and four stars. And I think they're the shows you have to see because that means you're either going to really love it or really hate it. And I think they're the ones, instead of the kind of, yes, this is quite a good show, go and see the ones, the one stars and the two stars <laughs> and see, because sometimes reviewers get it wrong. They do get it wrong a lot of the time. They absolutely do. And so go and see that if you see a two star review and a four star, because I saw a show the other day that had a two and a four on the same day. And I thought, that's the kind of show I want to go and see because yeah. it's a very personal opinion. And that means it's kind of a different type of comedy show than, you know, just a very slick one. I think one year Daniel Kitson got uh, all five star show. You got one, two, three, four, and five star review for the same show. So mm. that is that's got to be a fucking brilliant show. Yeah. That's I, I think it's the person who just thought, oh, it's all right. That's the person I most. <laughs> the person yeah. I, I'll give that three star. Yeah. So like one star at least they're trying to make a name for themselves. Five stars pro it probably was a five star show. If it's mm. Daniel Kitson, but yeah, I mean it's and also dependent on day to day, isn't it? Like with on Sunday, I just had the weirdest possible gig, and if a review there were reviewers in there, and I can't imagine they'll go. That was brilliant. They'll mm. go with that. Maybe it was all right. But then the, and yesterday, you know, the atmosphere in the room was so completely different. So it just depends from from show to show. And I don't whatever a reviewer says, they're not capable of being able to tell the difference. I think because it's, it's the, the festival. The thing, the thing that's good about the festival. If I'm ever in a kidnap situation, if I'm ever held hostage, I'll be fine because once you've done the festival last year, did the underbelly, sold out one night, 125 Saturday night. Now you're thinking this is good. This is going to be a cracking show. This is going to be unbelievable. <laughs> 125 people have paid to see my show. It's a Saturday night. Let's get this uh, comedy plane off the ground. And as a comic, you know, as soon as you go on stage, what kind of audience they are. Yeah. You really do. It's you will not believe from the chatter before you go on to the very first. If you go on and say hello, everyone, and everyone just goes yay, you mm. think this is going to be good. Now I did fifty-five minutes to utter silence. <laughs> now after five minutes, you just want to say, "Shall we just all stop now? <laughs> do you want to just go? Because I really want to go just now." But you have to keep going for fifty-five minutes. And then in the underbelly specifically, because we all share toilets, it's just the one toilet, then you have to stand in the toilet queue next to people and you've ruined their Saturday night and they're going <laughs> to tell you that you've ruined their Saturday night. And the st just the hatred coming off 125 people because you've ruined their one night out, they've got a babysitter for the kids, their marriage is falling apart, <laughs> they've come to see your show to bring them together and they fucking hate you. And you're just standing really needing a piss. Just, you know, and there's, I, I think you'll see comics do that I'm here but you can't see me but you just kind of <laughs> yeah, go yeah. like that um, and uh, someone it was such a bad show someone took someone put a phone under the door to take my photograph <laughs> <laughs> to obviously put on Facebook of the worst comic in Edinburgh and I was like can he not do it while I'm in the toilet that's, that's just humiliating but sometimes those shows I always say to audiences um, if a show's not going well why don't you try laughing <laughs> Because maybe other people will realise it's a comedy show. Because the audiences can come together as one and decide they're not going to enjoy themselves yeah, in yeah. the slightest. And if maybe if you go, ha-ha-ha, <laughs> everyone will go, ooh, ha-ha. <laughs> and eventually you can claw it back. But genuinely, after five minutes, if it's not going well, God, that's horrific. Mm. I mean, it really is. You've still got to do the show but nobody is enjoying themselves in the slightest. And you're not enjoying it, and you're hating them, and they're hating you. But that's what The Fringe is all about. It's all it? about the hatred. In yeah. a way, any art is a beautiful thing. Right, we're going to um, do a competition now where you can win some money. Hey, now you're perking up. 
20 pounds it is today. Sometimes it varies, just depending on how much money I've got on me. 20 pounds plus a Cafe Nero card with seven stamps on it. Just two stamps away. Two stamps away. Plus somewhere a copy of... Uh, he's coming in. Oh, he's leaving. No, he's... He's offended that it's not going and to be And just let, uh, if you can't see that, that's actually also an English £20 note, yes. just so you can spend it anywhere you like, <laughs> unlike works, Scottish works notes. Everywhere. A copy of As It Occurs To Me, which is uh, the complete works of As It Occurs To Me, which is another podcast I do. I think many people in the audience here don't know who I am. Uh, so you could win that and find out. It's quite disgusting. Uh, it's all about uh, pumpkins full of spunk, basically, for... for, for, for uh, how much there is in there is... Uh, th- it's like... F- for, for 358 minutes of it, it's it's all the same. Three, f- <laughs> 35 hours and 37 minutes of audio there on there. It's all just the same joke over and over again. <laughs> uh, so we, what we do here is we have a true or false uh, round, and there's some tickets to other shows. Let me see what those are. They are uh, Steve Gribbin, who is fantastic, and Joanna Neary. I'll do. Oh. No, I'll put some of these out. And Joanna Neary is, is really brilliant. She's on at uh, 15:40. That's quite soon. Uh, and uh, Steve's on at 18:55. Both brilliant acts at the stand, which is the best place to be. You know it. You're here. You people at home, come. Down the stand. This is where all the cool comedians are, uh, and uh, and it's it's brilliant, Danny. And they get paid sometimes. <laughs> that was a great thing. It's where all the cool comedians are in our cagoules uh, at yeah. the back of the room. <laughs> well, it's all comparative. Uh, in fact, it's where none of the cool comedians are. Now I think about it, there's no one here wearing a t-shirt with spiky hair. There's no no. I thought nearly it was beginning. Yeah. Not, not not Susan Kalman. Uh, I don't think she counts. So anyway, what we do? We're going to make a series of true or false statements. You have to all stand up now, and uh, if you think the statement is true. You put your hand on your head. If you think it's false, you put your hand on your bottom, your own bottom, please, madam. Actually, you can use my bottom. Uh, and uh, if you get it wrong, you have to sit down. Self-policing. Uh, the rule of law still holds up in Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast. So no uh, no looting this 20 pounds. Uh, and Cafe Nero card. A lot of people are excited about that. Uh, so the first statement I'm going to make, and this may catch some of you out, is I've been uh, on the news site... Um, just as Amnaz was on, and um, sadly, the newsreader Kenneth Kendall uh, died during just his, been, his death has been announced during uh, the course of this podcast. So, do you think that's true or false? So, head on your head if you think it's true. You have to do both. You can't you can't go between the two. Um, it is false. I did that one yesterday as well. So I was just <laughs> trying to see if <laughs> I was trying to see. So sit down if you said false. Did you have to sit down? You're out. It's a very sh- no. There was a few. There was a few idiots among <laughs> the. He's still alive, though, everyone. He's, I, I went to look him up yesterday. I wasn't sure whether he was from Treasure Hunt. Do you remember? You weren't old enough. Do you remember Annika Rice? You weren't even born. Have you got a statement of truth or false? Uh, I, I do. Uh, I am the only person uh, to have turned down, that I know of, to have turned down the part of the Virgin Mary in a school uh, nativity play because I didn't want to have to kiss a boy at the age of six. Wow, that sounds true, but is it true? True or false? And uh, a lot of people have gone for true. I've, I've maybe... Uh, yeah, what, what's the truth? It's that? true. It I is did. true, so I sit did. down. Oh, Even for God, I'm not doing it. a few of people there. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to think of something. Uh, Stuart Lee, the f- the uh, future <laughs> Olivier Award-winning director, uh, once uh, attempted to um, touch my bottom with uh, a sooty puppet that he had. <laughs> Is that true or false? 
That is false. Uh, he, uh, he, no, he, as if you've been listening to the show, he tried to wank me off with a hundred-year-old ventriloquist dummy. That's what he tried to do. So it's uh, very different. It's very different. <laughs> Have you got anything else? It could be anything. Uh, yeah, I once drunkenly attempted to grope Scottish singer from Altered Images, Claire Grogan. Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. Uh, <laughs> true or false? <laughs> Is that true or false? It's false. Oh, wow. Is anyone still How in? How many people thought I'd actually <laughs> done that? Who's still Jesus. in? So there's, there's one, two, three, four. That's it. Are you still in? You're just standing at the back. You're out. You're out. Yeah, okay. You're out. So there's four still in. That's nearly enough to get to. It's very exciting. Um, God, I wish I'd planned some. Uh, I'm just going to have to make something up. Oh, no. That's a bit of a good <laughs> one. Uh, so uh, uh, Steve Gribbin. Uh, has three nipples, true or false? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to pass the ball to you. <laughs> I couldn't think of it. It is false. Well done. Everyone got that right. It was a, a poor lie. Have you got another one? Uh, I have an unbelievably sensitive gag reflex. Explains a lot. True or false? We've got three trues and one false. It's true. It is true. So we lost one. Uh, during the London riots, the actress Jenny Agatha came out and asked for calm in Ealing, where she lives. She came out onto the streets and asked for calm. Is that true or false? That is false. So uh, apparently, so you've won. Yay! Congratulations. Uh, as it occurs to me, only available from www.gofasterstripe.com. Uh, I'd like you to go with your dad slash lover to see Steve Gribbon. Uh, and uh, the people who bought me the uh, the hat, there's three of them, right? I'll give you all four tickets to that and you can sort it out between you. Thank you very much for that. Uh, you have been listening to Rich Jones' Edinburgh Fringe Podcast with my guest, Susan Kalman, ladies and gentlemen, and Naz Osmanahu. Uh, I am... Oh, we've got some good guests coming up. Tomorrow we've got Glenn Wool, so come and see Glenn Wool. On Thursday, Dave Gorman will be here on Thursday. On Sunday, uh, Sarah Millican will be here, so please book ahead for those ones. They're fantastic. Uh, Josh Whittacombe's coming on Friday to do five minutes of stand-up, uh, and there are people coming up in the future, Al Murray and Omid Lily as well, so book ahead. Please do come. It's a lot of fun, isn't it, when you come down? You can win money, can't you? Yes. Oh, no, 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 they didn't. They didn't think it was fun uh, here today. Uh, it was a foolish question to ask. I'm Richard Herring. Um, you can see me at uh, the What Is Love Anyway at the Cow Barn at 8.50 if you want to come. Thank you very much for coming and see you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye-bye.